0: You're listening to Megiddo Radio. Megiddo Radio is a radio ministry of Megiddo Media. For more, visit our website at megidoradio.com. That's megidoradio.com. Welcome everybody, this is Paul Flynn with Megiddo Radio for Tuesday, 10th of May, 2022. Thank you all for tuning in. On today's program, we're just going to get straight into it. no introduction we're just going to get straight into looking at the larger catechism of the Westminster Standards. This is going to really continue on from episode 477 what it means to love God and we're going to keep going through this beginning with question 111. So if you have a Westminster larger catechism that would be good to get out in front of you or just probably google it. I uh, hope you're all doing well in the Lord. We'll try and get out as many programs as we can over the next few weeks, and we'll see how things go. So question 111 of the Westminster Larger Catechism says this, which is the third commandment? Which is the third commandment? Now, we did the last day, we did questions 100 to 110, and we looked at up to the end of the second commandment, and we've... It's put under the title what it means to love God, because that is what it looks like. This would be really much a a continuation of this, because if we have no regard for the the honor or the glory or uh, the reputation of God, can we really claim to love God? Now, the third commandment can be violated in many different ways, and it is routinely violated in many different ways. Let's read it first, and uh, let's think about it. The the answer, again, to question 111 in Westminster Larger Catechism is, the third commandment is, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Now, Question 112 then talks about what is required in the Third Commandment. Now, remember what we were saying before in other programs about the Larger Catechism, and well, not about, about the Larger Catechism, yes, but about the, the moral law, the eternal law, uh, that law that really doesn't change. It is summarized in the Ten Commandments. It is summarized also in the New Testament to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. So that commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, it's a summary. It's a summary. And so one of the other commandments, thou shalt honor your father and your mother, that's the fifth commandment. It's not just about your biological parents. Uh, there are requirements in the fifth commandment that go from, from people in authority to people under them who are not in authority and vice versa. So just because it doesn't put it in black and white in in, in any commandment, you have to think this summarizes a concept. And if it says, you shall not kill, well, it also says you preserve life, which is the opposite of that. But it is a, it is a, a statement summarizing down immoral, truth, equality, uh, which God has, it, which is that he is jealous for his own glory. And You could see that as well in the second commandment. So question 112, the answer is this. The third commandment requires that the name of God, his titles, attributes, ordinances, the word, sacraments, prayer, oaths, vows, lots, his works and whatsoever else there is, thereby he makes himself known, he holily and reverently used in thought, meditation word and writing by an holy profession and answerable conversation to the glory of god and the good of ourselves and others so let's go through that and just kind of break down that answer and make it a little bit more digestible shall we say uh, the name of so it requires that the name of god his titles Okay, I think that's okay so far. Who he is, uh, you know, I am the title, and and, and El Shaddai, God Almighty, these titles, uh, his attributes, uh, all-knowing, holy, uh, he is righteous, okay, so that his name, titles, attributes, ordinances, the things he commands... Uh, the word, okay, the word of God, sacraments. We should take them seriously. Prayer, oaths—if we swearing before God, something that is—that's something serious, isn't it? We swear before God. Um, vows we take in office in, uh, for office bearers, deacons, or or those who are elders over the flock of Christ. Breaking of that is a violation of the third commandment. Vows, lots, his works, and whatsoever else there is thereby he makes himself known. So whatever God does, he wholly and reverently used in thought. So be holy and reverently used in thought. So when we talk about God, if we don't do so in a holy and reverent way, as in we are doing so, not in a jovial way. Casual, silly, juvenile way. Because that would be a violation of the third commandment. When we do th- talk about God, we talk about Him seriously, in thought, in in our meditation, in in word, in writing, by our by an holy profession. What we say, we believe. An answerable conversation to the glory of God. So what we say, what we do in our actions and our behavior and everything else would be all to the glory of God. Because if, if we as Christ's representatives, whatever capacity that is, if it's not done to the glory of God and what we do and what we do for the name of God, it is a violation of the third commandment. There's more ways of breaking the third commandment than just using the name of God as a swear word. Now that is... Yes, it is a violation of the third commandment, but there's more than that. And it says at the end of this answer, and the good of ourselves and others. Many ways to break the third commandment. So, question 113. What are the sins forbidden in the third commandment? The sins forbidden, it says in the Third Commandment are the not using of God's name as it is required. So that, we mentioned that already, basically, as it is required, it is not a curse word. And the abuse of it, in an ignorant, vain, irreverent, profane, superstitious, Uh, just to pause there with the superstitious one, um, there's, I remember I, I knew people from Spain, and, Every time they'd sneeze, they'd use the Lord's name in vain. And, you know, in in Spanish, it was a... We've got to be careful with the things that we do. We can take things from culture or ways of greeting, but if they violate God's word, we've we've got to shed ourselves of them because we love God. If we claim to love God, we will, and if we actually do love God, We'll turn our backs on those things. Superstitious or wicked mentioning of otherwise using his titles, whatever titles it is, attributes, so things that are unique to him, ordinances or works, by blasphemy, perjury, all sinful cursings, okay? All sinful cursings and... uh Reference there for this um, references down to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 43. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. That's the kind of cursing it's referring to there, not necessarily like if you're bringing down the wrath of some idol or something like that okay lost where I am oh yeah question 113 vows lots violating of our oaths and vows if lawful well We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. So violating our oaths, and vows if lawful and fulfilling them if of things unlawful. There's a lot here, so I'm going to just stop there and just comment on that. And we'll, we'll, we'll go through question 113 and just answer and go through these. Violating of our oaths and vows if lawful. In these islands of, which I live, I live in the island of Ireland. So Ireland, Scotland, England, and Wales. Okay, Ireland is divided into two, Northern Ireland, whatever. But back in 1643, our nations swore before God that we would uphold true religion in the land. That's a biblical covenant, and uh, it's what we should be doing anyway. But we swore before God, so we're even more bound to acknowledge Christ, not just the head of the church, but also the head of state. We are guilty. And by the way, it's not just, you know, across this land... There's little interest in the Psalm Lane Covenant. Let's be honest. It's a thing the people would rather forget. It's an inconvenience for many people. Wish to set it aside. Now. So, violating of our oaths and vows, if lawful, those oaths and vows are still binding. For those who are in Christian ministry and they vow to, I don't know, maintain the doctrines kept in the Westminster standards. well, that can be a breaking of the third commandment. Now. But it can also be broken. The third commandment can also be broken this way. Fulfilling them if things, if things unlawful. So, if now the onus is on you, make sure that it, from the word of God it is unlawful. And if it's unlawful, don't swear to it in the first place. But if it's unlawful, we shouldn't be keeping it, whatever that is, whatever that is. And these are ways of taking the Lord's name in vain, treating it like. Something of no value. Treating God as if he is a lesser thing. So I hope you see, this is more than just vocabulary. It includes our actions. It says, murmuring and quarreling at curious prying into and misapplying of God's decrees and providences. Because we're taking the Lord's name in vain, the Lord has done these things, and if we're complaining against him, then it's also another way we can break the third commandment. Misrepresenting, misapplying, or in any way perverting the word, or any part of it, to profane jests. I, it's convicting, isn't it? Because I think we're all guilty of this. And we... profane jests at parts of the word of God. You know, we in the West in countries such as my own, which I live in, Northern Ireland and other parts around the world, United States, Australia, Canada, have the word of God, go to church, But we have such comfort, we um, we take it for granted, don't we? It references here, And behold, joy and gladness, slaying oxen and killing sheep, eating flesh and drinking wine. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we shall die. Profane jests, curious or unprofitable questions. You know, there's good questions and there's questions that are prying to things that we've no business knowing, and God hasn't revealed it. Uh, Vain janglings or the maintaining of false doctrines, abusing it, the creatures or anything contained under the name of God to charms. So if we say, I think knock on wood would be a good example of that. Superstitions, this would include. So attributing anything that God does to silly charms or anything like that. Or or sinful lusts, as the answer says in question 113, and practices. The maligning, scorning, reviling, or anywise opposing God's truth. So if we stand against God's truth, we are making... Taking the Lord's name in vain. Grace and ways. Making profession of religion in hypocrisy. This is a big way that violation of the third commandment is someone who is a hypocrite is constantly taking the Lord's name in vain. They say they follow God, but in works they deny Him. Making profession of religion in hypocrisy or for sinister ends. So it might like. There's some people who are not born again, and they're, they're a church and they're religious. These are soothing, sues their religious conscience, but they still have a heart of stone. They haven't re- received the heart of flesh. They're still dead. But then there's some, you know, they they believe they're kind of okay. They're self-deceived. But some. Some actively seek out. Sinister ends. It happens. Being ashamed of it. Or ashamed to it. By uncom- uncom- Unconformable, unwise, unfruitful, and offensive walking or backsliding from it again, a similar idea. we are not what we claim to be, and we claim to represent God, and because of that, we bring dishonor to his name through our hypocrisy and everything else we We take the name of the lord's we take the Lord's name in vain because of such things question 114 so we're going to try and get through as many of these pro- questions today as possible uh, it may not necessarily be an hour today at the program uh, or future programs for that matter we'll see probably keep it you know topically um, and the next few programs m- may well be focused on Purely on the catechism. However, if you would like me to cover anything, me get a radio at gmail.com. That's M-E-G-I-D-D-O radio at gmail.com. And, uh... Actually, I'm going to dig up that email now and make sure I'm not missing anybody's email. So, that email is just for those want to email me about the program i have other email addresses people know those as well but that's the one i give out in the program now um So, make it a radio at gmail.com if you have any programs you would like me to cover before the program is likely to go on hiatus. What reasons, question 114, are annexed to the Third Commandment? And so the reasons annexed are attached to the Third Commandment in these words, the Lord thy God and for the Lord thy God will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain, are because he is the Lord and our God. Therefore his name is not to be profaned or any way abused by us, especially because he will be so far from acquitting it and sparing the transgressors of this commandment, as that he will not suffer them to escape his righteous judgment, although, albeit many such escape the censures and punishments of men. Um, so it's saying, what are the, what are reasons are annexed to the third commandment? Um, the Lord thy God, for the Lord thy God will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And this is added on, it's saying here, because of anybody who abuses the name of God, anybody who takes the Lord's name in vain, anybody who taxes the nature of God, and other things like that, there's no escaping the Lord's righteous judgment. There's no escaping. You may escape justice in this world, But you will not escape it in the world to come. There's no possibility. No possibility of escaping it. Now, question 115. So we're getting near the end of the first table of the law. We're on the fourth commandment now. Question 115. Which is the fourth commandment? And I suppose, in a lot of ways, this program has got a lot to do with, as we think about the third commandment, it's really got to do with what a right attitude towards God looks like. A righteous attitude, a righteous attitude toward God. Because our attitude, the way we talk about God, is important. And the way way we look at his, his name, his reputation, how we speak about him, is important. And it's important what we do with our time. If we think about the fourth commandment, and one day in seven, it is setting aside time. Time. The one thing we seem unwilling to set aside For God today. Time. He has given us eternity. And we struggle. To give him one day and seven. Time. 24 hours. In a week. Which is the fourth commandment. Question 115, the fourth commandment is, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in it, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Keep it holy. One day in seven. Six days, it doesn't say the first six days of the week, it just says six days, you shall labor and do all your work. The seventh day of those six days, and not the seventh day of the week, That is determined otherwise. That's determined by creation week in the Old Testament. It's determined by the resurrection in the New Testament. But six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, and in it thou shalt not do any work. So this is a day rested. This is a day set aside. It is kadosh. It is holy. It is set apart for different use. Now, We also have to think back to Creation Week, when God set set apart that first Sabbath day, and he rested from all his works on the seventh day. Did God do nothing? Of course not, because he maintained everything. But he ceased from the activity of the other six days, the other six days he created. And on the seventh day, he did not. He rested from that. God doesn't get tired, and he does not need a rest. But we are to be imitators of God, and we are to be like him, and imitate him, and follow him. And from that onwards, has been laid down a pattern we are all to follow. The first full day man enjoyed was a Sabbath day. The first full day that man enjoyed was in the presence of God with time set aside for God. Our attitude matters, and our time matters. We will be all there won't be etern- there won't be time in eternity. And we will be with him. There will be an eternal Sabbath. This law never changes. This is how important time with God is. This is how important our attitude to God is. Because if our attitude to God is poor, we're not going to want to spend time with Him. And we're going to look at time with God as a burden. It's a hard problem. We're so satisfied with so many things. With so many comforts. And there's a sense in which. A real sense in which. The countries around the world. That endure horrible things. For the sake of Christ. Are more blessed. Far more blessed. Because they see how much they depend upon God. And they see. Truly experientially lived out that his burden is easy and his yoke is light. They have to depend upon God and it's very clear very quickly if they don't depend upon God. You can't play games. And it becomes very, very evident who's really born again. What is required in the fourth commandment? The fourth commandment, this is question 116. The fourth commandment requireth of all men the sanctifying or keeping holy to God such set times as he hath appointed in his word expressly one whole day in seven. Now we have to ask ourselves as well, why has he set aside certain times in God's word? Would we set aside God's wo- time if God didn't command us to? We wouldn't, because this is just the way we are. Everything else we crowd in. The answer goes on to say, which was the seventh from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ. And the first day of the week ever since, and to continue to the end of the world, which is the Christian Sabbath, and in the New Testament, called the Lord's Day. So, the fourth commandment doesn't change in its essential nature, as it were, from what is written, okay in the fourth commandment, given in Exodus chapter 20, it's pointing back to deliverance from Egypt. We're very much, if you're pointing back to anything, deliverance from spiritual Egypt and and bondage of sin and slavery and serving a cruel taskmaster. But in the New Testament, you see, again, uh, what day of the week it is, that one day at seven, we're not told in that which was written on tables of stone, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. But that is determined from Creation Week. And then it is the first day of the week. It becomes the first day of the week from the resurrection of Christ. This is what the answer in question 116 points out. We give that resurrection day to the Lord. By the way, people talk about Resurrection Sunday and all this kind of thing. There's a Resurrection Sunday, if you want to call it that, or every single Sabbath day. Every single Sunday. Every single first day of the week. It is not just when whoever decides based on, I don't know, some lunar calendar or something. I I don't exactly know. It's decided how um, Easter is determined. When there are 52 Sabbath days, and the early Christians believe this as well, and this is nothing new, is a day to remember the, the resurrection, to celebrate the resurrection. Question one hundred and seventeen How is the Sabbath to be how is the Sabbath or Lord's Day to be sanctified, the Sabbath or Lord's Day is to be sanctified by an holy rest all the day, not only from such works as are at all times sinful, but even from such worldly employments and recreations as are on other days lawful, and making it our delight to spend the whole time except so much as it is to be taken up in works of necessity and mercy in the public and private exercises of God's worship. And to that end, we are to prepare our hearts with such foresight, diligence, and moderation to dispose and seasonably dispatch our worldly business that we may be the, the more free and fit for the duties of that day. So how do we keep it? This is where it kind of gets more difficult. And the living out of this fourth commandment, on this first day of the week. So it's a holy rest. We finish our works of recreation and other things that are completely lawful on the other days of the week. Things you can do on the other days of the week and obviously things are sinful. They shouldn't be doing them any days of the week, but we stop these things and make it our delight to spend the whole time. The whole point is spending our time with God. And this is something that i've been thinking about a lot lately. It was just like it should it, the capacity as well of children it can be hard because obviously, as adults, you should be able to you know focus more than than we actually do in the West. but I digress, but making it our delight to spend the whole time so one day in seven. One day in seven. Except so much of it as it has been taken up in works of necessity and mercy. There are certain things you have to do. Um, animals have to be fed. Cows have to be milked if you're a farmer. Um, certain factories and certain sectors have to remain open because they can't just be shut down. Police officers have to work certain Sabbath days. You know, the old joke crime doesn't take a holiday. Um, in. But we, generally speaking, to spend our time in the public and private exercise of godly worship, and to that end, we are to, the answer says, prepare our hearts with such foresight, diligence, and moderation to dispose, and seasonally dispatch a worldly business, finish off what you got to finish off. Now, dispatch a worldly business, for example, you've got an exam on Monday. Just say, you're a young person in college, well, get it done probably get it done Friday and early Saturday or something like that and then you can rest and be blessed on the Sabbath day if you're running a business get finished whenever you can get finished um even if you're on a farm get as much done as possible on Saturday so that you don't have to be caught up with it don't don't take that whole works of necessity and mercy and you know drive a truck through it and Take liberties that would not be good. None of us keep it as we ought to. We all, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But we should all seek with every ounce of our being to uphold and to keep the Sabbath day as much as we can, knowing we fail, being gracious with others, and hopefully encouraging others to do the right thing. Not everybody's going to agree. In certain areas, maybe people will slightly disagree. Um, The Sabbath is not really about setting a list of don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And even use that principle if you've got children or young ones. Fill the day as much as possible within their capacities. thoughts of Christ and spending time with him. And that can be you know, you can find creative ways of doing that sometimes even when our own girls were younger um, we would get puzzles and things like that focused around I don't know, Noah and Jonah and things like that and, and and simple books that they could sit down and read or something like that um, and we'd read to them and it's hard work. See, the Sabbath, you see, this is why I'm saying the Sabbath is not just twiddling your thumbs. In some ways, you're gonna be busier. And <laughs> maybe if you've got children, you're gonna be more tired. So we've often got a wrong view of the Sabbath. It's setting aside the activity of the other six days to free us up to spend time with God and be refreshed that way. It's not just lying back and doing nothing. It's having our souls fed in a most wonderful way. And yes, it is a commandment, yes, we should honor the Lord, but it is robbing yourself of a blessing. A tremendous blessing by not observing the Lord's Day. Question 118 of the Westminster Larger Catechism. Why is the charge of keeping the Sabbath more specially directed to governors of families? and other superiors. Superiors. Those in authority. Those who make the decisions, you could say. The charge, the answer says, the charge of keeping the Sabbath is more specially directed to governors of families and other superiors because they are bound not only to keep it themselves, but to see that it be observed by all those who are under their charge, because they are prone oftentimes to hinder them by employments of their own. So, so much of the keeping of the Sabbath day will de- will depend upon the person in authority or, and makes the decisions around the place. And that probably, that's probably pretty self-evident. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day of the Lord thy God, and in it thou shalt not work. And, um, yeah, that's... Exodus chapter twenty, verse ten. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy man servant, nor thy maid servant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. Largely speaking, the governor of the household, that be the father, whoever. Yeah, the father. Usually, they are responsible. They hold most of the responsibility, those who are in in charge there. Question 119, what are the sins forbidden in the fourth commandment? The sins forbidden in the fourth commandment are all omissions of the duties required. All careless, negligent, and unprofitable performing of them and being weary of them even just being weary of them you know do you enjoy the sabbath then? And all profaning the day by idleness and doing that which is in itself sinful again it's not a day for just complete idleness that's not the rest we're seeking here um, and all needless works words and thoughts about our worldly employments and recreations all needless works words and thoughts even thoughts about our worldly employments and recreations we fail but it doesn't make it right does it our failures in these areas does not make it right Our failures are not, our keeping, our failure to keep the law is not the standard. Can't possibly be. Can't possibly be. Question 120. Question 120. Trying to figure out how much more will I do of this program. So question 120 we've got up to... Um, I think we're going to get down to 121 at least. So what are the reasons annexed to the fourth commandment? The more it, The more to enforce it. And so the reasons annexed to the fourth commandment, the more to enforce it, are taken from the equity of it. God allows us six days of seven for own affairs, and reserving but one for himself in these words, six days thou shalt labor, do all thy work. For God's challenging a special propriety in that day, the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, from the example of God who in six days made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. And from that blessing, which God put upon that day, not only in sanctifying it to be a day for his service, but in ordaining it to be a means of blessing to us in our sanctifying it. Whereby, wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So, The reasons um, attached. Why keep the Sabbath day? Well, first of all, um, he's basically uh, you have six days to do with all your works needed for the week, and only one. Out of seven, he asks to be set aside for this holy use. He's only asking for one day in seven. One day in seven. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. And it's from... God Exodus chapter 20 the end of is end of verse 8 um, the end of the fourth commandment points right back to creation week creation week in six days made heaven and earth the sea and all that in us, and rested the seventh day and from that blessing which God put upon that day, not only in sanctifying it for a day for his service, but in ordaining it to be a means of blessing to us who are sanctifying it. So it, God blessed it for his service, but God also blesses those who sanctify it. So not only is it a commandment, but it's a it's a wonderful blessing. And you will be spiritually, if you're a Christian, you're spiritually impoverishing yourself by not availing of that wonderful rest. It is a window into heaven. There's going to be an everlasting, eternal Sabbath in eternity. And those who do keep the Sabbath, let this is challenging me just going through this, is challenge yourselves to keep it and to not slide into neglect of the Sabbath day in various different areas we can all find areas to improve question 121 why is the word remember set in the beginning of the fourth commandment the word remember question 121 is said in the beginning of the fourth commandment partly of the great benefit of remembering it. We have thereby helped in our preparation to keep it, and in keeping it, better to keep all the rest of the commandments, and to continue a thankful remembrance of the two great benefits of creation and redemption, which contain a short abridgment of religion. And partly because we are very ready to forget it for that there is less light of nature for it, and yet it restraineth our natural liberty in things at other times lawful, that it cometh but once in seven days, and many worldly businesses come between, and too often take our minds from thinking of it, either to prepare for it or to sanctify it, and that Satan, with his instruments, much labor to blot out the glory and even the the memory of it, to bring in all irreligion and impiety. Wow. That's a brilliant way really to end the program. So we're going to go through this and just wrap up there because I think it's just a brilliant reason why the word remember is put, remember the Sabbath day. It's put at the beginning of the fourth commandment because of the great benefit of remembering it. That's part part of the reason. Remember it for the blessing that it is. Christians, we're so liable to forget many things, and one of them is the blessings that we have, and be discouraged. We're not the first Christians to forget things of such magnitude, but we have a massive blessing. We get excited about all the man-made holy days that... Have been added to the so-called church calendar. We get excited all those days. We don't get excited about the Sabbath. And do we wonder. Why? There's no revival. Hardly. There's no blessings in that sense. There's no outpouring in that sense. It's a great blessing to the church. in remembering it. And I mean really keeping it. Because in a lot of places, it's hanging by a thread. And we being thereby helped in our preparation to keep it, and in keeping it, better to keep all of the rest of the commandments. So this, one, remember, it helps us in all the other areas of the law of God, and to continue a thankful remembrance of the two great benefits of creation and redemption, which contain a short abridgment of religion, and partly... Because, so, so the key, uh, a thankful remembrance of the two great benefits of creation, because uh, it, it points back to creation in one sense, and also points back to redemption uh, uh, since the first day of the week, which contains a short abridgment of religion. God created the heavens and the earth, and God has redeemed through the blood of Christ, and he's rose again from the dead. And partly because it says. We are very ready to forget it. As I have kind of just mentioned. And for that there is less light of nature for it. We, we withhold the truth and the righteousness. And yet it restraineth our natural liberty. in things at other times lawful. So there are things that are good. Sports. All this kind of stuff. That in their own way good things, you know, maybe maybe exercise and all that, but they can become... If we can't set them aside for a day, then there's a problem. And once they are encroaching every day of the week, they have become idolatrous. That it cometh but once in seven days, and many worldly businesses come between. Uh, there's lots of things they are violent, vi- vying for your uh, your um attention and too often take our minds from thinking of it you know you come it's a saturday you come to saturday evening and what is coming between you all these things all these distractions all these things keeping you from preparing your heart for the next day and the sabbath either to prepare for it it says or to sanctify it there must be preparation done by the way if you're putting something in the oven, the oven usually needs to be preheated. And that Satan, it says, with his instruments, be, be honest, like, you know, most of the distractions are Saturday evening. Mm. The devil loves to have us distracted. And things that in their own way are fine, but distract us away from what we're meant to be doing. And that Satan, with his instruments, much labor to blot out the glory. And even the memory of it. To bring in all a religion. And impiety. Irreligion religion. And impiety. So we need to remember. And not forget. Because what have we done over the last few decades? And I said decades. It's been astonishing. the decline. And these two commandments. The third and fourth commandment. Really talk about. And examine. Our attitude. To God's glory. To God's importance to us. Basically our. Essential Attitude to God Is it Are we failing miserably In these areas And if we do What is our attitude to God Hopefully that's been A blessing to you Hopefully that's been A help to you In some way Shape or form If you've got any questions Megiddo Radio That's M-E-G-I-D-D-O Radio At gmail.com Probably another show next week. Not too sure how things will be going. Again, keep me in your prayers. Would really appreciate it. Whether I'll get a call in the next few weeks or who knows. It's been Paul Flynn. May God bless you all.